and welcome to Eliminal Space. My name's David Fidelli, and in this episode, I'm in discussion with Ray Good. Originally from the UK, Ray is a meditation and mindfulness practitioner and coach, currently based in Australia. In a previous life, Ray was a successful DJ, performing under the name Sugar Ray, and was listed as one of the world's top 100 DJs in the 90s. He was regularly performing at sold-out raves in London, Tokyo, and Berlin, and organised large-scale music events for up to 15,000 people. Ray also owned one of Australia's most respected import record stores and started his own record label. But this high-octane lifestyle took its toll, and Ray experienced a total burnout. One of his friends suggested that he try meditation, and he's been meditating every day since. This was 28 years ago, and today Ray runs his own business, The Good Place, where he teaches simple and practical meditation and mindfulness techniques to others in order to reduce stress, increase resilience, and improve productivity and performance. Ray's style mixes modern science and Eastern philosophy. It's evidence-based mindfulness and resilience training, backed with 28 years experience and the latest scientific research. Some of the topics we discuss include the difference between meditation and mindfulness and the neuroscience behind these techniques, the many benefits of these practices to improve mental health, well-being and happiness, especially in times such as these when many of us are currently experiencing heightened stress levels and anxiety, the importance of having a routine and setting patterns in our daily lives, including designating time for self-care and switching off to recharge our minds, the potential negative impacts of social media in raising anxiety levels, including the dangers of being continually connected to technology, and the power of meditation and mindfulness in allowing us to take back control of our lives and empowering us to make better decisions. Ray also shares simple strategies that we can all incorporate into our daily lives to improve our mental well-being, including the concept of 30-second to 3-minute micro-meditations, which we can use to punctuate our day. And at the end of our chat, Ray actually guides us through one of these micro-meditations, which has a profound and unexpected effect on me. Make yourself comfortable as we enter a liminal space. Hi, Ray, and welcome to a liminal space. Thanks, Dave. Great to be here. Welcome Finally. to the good place. This is well, my space. It's a, <laughs> it's a wonderful space. And, and uh, yeah, we've, we've got lots of time to, to chat now so we can talk about all the great things you're doing. Um, we finally got here. Technology didn't want us to actually uh, record this podcast, but we finally got there and perhaps that's the, the best way to, to, to begin. Um, you're a meditation and mindfulness coach and practitioner, amongst many other things. And as I was experiencing these technological difficulties, I could feel my stresses really going up and my blood pressure rising and um, you know, we're living in uh, strange and stressful times these days. So really happy to, to have you here and hopefully you can guide us through some, uh, some strategies to maybe, uh, you know, make sure that we look after our mental health and so forth in, uh, in these days. So yeah, thanks for taking the time. No problem. Yeah, absolutely essential right now that we look after our, um, you know, our mental health and build resilience and, and look after our you know, um, well-being uh, and our happiness. So absolutely. So hopefully today I could share some of the tools um, that I share with other people to help them and, and, you know, and help myself personally over the past 28 years. So um, that's the plan anyway. Great. To share these, uh, these tools with others. Let's, uh, if you don't mind, uh, I know it's the, probably the, the question you get asked more than, more than anything, but I think it's a really important yeah. place to start, which is, 
what is mindfulness and what is the difference between meditation and mindfulness? Okay. So put simply, mindfulness is awareness and attention training for the brain. I think that's the, uh, the simplest analogy of, that's the simplest way of putting it. Yeah. Um, but mindfulness means being fully present, aware and engaged in the moment instead of your mind being off elsewhere. Okay. So it's about, um, that's probably the easiest way of explaining. So, so it's, it's, it's mental training for the mind is probably the easiest way. Now, many people get confused about mindfulness and meditation. They're actually two different things. Meditation is the exercise that cultivates mindfulness in our day-to-day -day life. So, yeah. So would that be in essence that we're, we're, we're trying to achieve mindfulness and we use meditation practices to get us closer to that? Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. Um, it's like the the exercise, like the workout, like going to the gym, right? So meditation is in the same way we exercise for our physical health and well-being. Um, meditation is exercise for our mental health and well-being. The uh, the equivalent of a jog around the block, thirty minute jog around the block, or eating your daily five fruit and veg. That's what I like to say. Yeah, nice. And um, is it something that? like that anybody and everybody can do and can access or are there limitations or how how easy or you know how do people get into it if uh, it's all a bit scary if it's all a bit scary yeah well not scary but you know um, sometimes people may think that they don't have the ability to you know to do these yeah. practices or it may be something that's a bit woo-woo or something that's a bit out there and um, yeah, yeah. It really isn't, um, and so yeah. How can you sort of, how can you talk to talk to that? Well, I guess the the most important thing is yeah. I mean, anyone can learn to meditate. Uh, you know, mindfulness is is a secular practice. Its roots are uh, based in Eastern philosophy that's two and a half thousand years old. But modern mindfulness is is secular, so it's available to to everybody. Um, is it easy? No, working with our minds is not easy. <laughs> yeah. Our minds aren't designed to make us happy. They're designed for our survival. Mm. Um, so, uh, but yeah, you know, with training and with practice and consistency, um, you know, you can learn to have a better relationship with your mind uh, through your meditation practice, for sure. And how much time do we need per day, per week, per... How, how do you sort of talk to that? Um, well, I medita I've had a meditation practice for 28 years. I normally meditate for between sort of 10 to 20, 30 minutes in the morning and at night. Um, I find that's a good amount of time for me. Um, there's a great Zen edit. There's a great old Zen quote as well. It says that, um, you should meditate every day for 20 minutes. Unless you're too busy, then you should meditate for an hour. <laughs> but the good news for, um, for the listeners today is that, um, well, research from Harvard showed that after eight weeks of mindfulness training, we actually start to grow the gray areas of our brain associated with uh, um, learning, memory, um, empathy and compassion. This is called the hippocampus. And the area of our brain associated with stress, which is called the amygdala, actually starts to shrink. And the good news is that it only takes 10 minutes a day. So um, the science is showing us that just 10 minutes a day um, can have a really um, big impact on our um, 
you know, our, our health and our happiness. So 10 minutes. But, you know, with the people that I coach, you know, a lot of people say to me, I don't have 10 minutes to meditate. And so, um, you know, I teach them little micro meditations, little 30 second to three minute meditations that you can use to sort of punctuate your day okay. to do alongside your sort of longer practices. But, it, you know, at the end of the day, even one minute counts. Just taking one minute out of your, out of your day just to, um, just to have a little mental break can have such a profound effect you know, for us, because as um, human, um, well, I was going to say human beings, but we're really human doings, aren't we? Mm -hmm. You know, we need to take time out of our day to to um, to reset, reboot, and recharge. I mean, we charge our phones, but we don't take any time out of our day to mm. actually uh, stop and and recharge our minds and the brain. So, and yeah. so, I mean, I I resonate so much with so much you know, that you've just said there. Um, it, do you think there's a possibility at the end of this chat, you could guide me through a, what did you call it? A micro, micro meditation? Micro meditation, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do like a, we'll do a three minute practice at the end just to show you how easy it is. And, and um, yeah, I, I guess the key, and, and when I teach people, the key is um, it's better to do shorter meditations regularly like it, you know, the benefits, it's cumulative. We need to do the practice every day to really get the benefits. So it's better to do shorter meditations every day than to do um, longer meditations, you know, infrequently. Yeah. So, or if you can do longer meditations every day, but not, you know, yeah. that's the best, the best way of approaching the practice. But as I said, even one minute counts, but if you can get 10 minutes a day in, that's, that's, that's kind of like the sweet spot, I think for a lot of people. And what are the, benefits or gains or you know what's the what's the end end result that we're that we're trying to achieve through through meditation mindfulness well i guess um well the benefits are that we build mental resilience uh, you know and emotional well-being we, we're better able to manage stress and anxiety and uncertainty which is really important right now it can uh, improve our you know our productivity and our performance our sleep um, and, and boost our happiness and our health. So the science is so overwhelmingly good on the benefits of practicing meditation. I mean, um, and I guess it's only been in the last 10 years with technology that um, neuroscientists can actually measure what's going on for meditators. And so there's been so much science come out over the last 10 years about the benefits of practicing mindfulness and meditation. Um, just to give you an, uh, an, uh, an idea, in 2006, there was 64 published journal articles on PubMed about mindfulness and meditation. Today, there's over 8,000. Hmm. So, you know, that's, there's so much research coming out all the time, but it's still, so the science has caught up. You know, meditation's been around for two and a half thousand years. You know, it's not a new thing. It's just that the science has finally caught up, and that's yeah. a re that's the reason. Yeah, so and that's one of the reasons for the explosion of mindfulness and meditation over the past uh, five years. That and 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 chronic stress, of course. So it seems crazy that if it's only requiring, um, you know, ten minutes. Of course, the longer the more you do, the more benefit you 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 get. Um, it seems crazy that this is not more widely taught in schools or you know just across the across the board um well it, well it actually is i mean um you know last year in britain the british government announced it was rolling out a new subject to 370 schools across the country mindfulness 
Um, it's being taught at Harvard, Stanford, Yale, Cambridge. Right. You can even do your master's in um, mindfulness at Oxford. Um, you know, many of the world's top thinkers and performers practice mindfulness. Um, Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, um, Lewis Hamilton, Novak Djokovic, LeBron James, Michael Jordan, um, Arianna Huffington, um, you know, even Jay-Z, and of course, the one and only Oprah. So, you know, in, in that regard, and, and of course, in the business world, mindfulness has really exploded. Companies like Facebook, Google, Nike, LinkedIn, Goldman Sachs, all the big ones, um, you know, making sure their people are looked after. Mental health is, is a really big priority within a lot of the big corporate companies right now. So, you know, it's being taught in hospitals, prisons, um, and, wow. and schools. So it's really, um, over the last five years, really starting to creep into the, into the mainstream, um, which is, um, you know, is, is really exciting. I think in the same way that, um, you know, it'll be like brushing your teeth. You know, it's kind of like, it's one of those things you don't really enjoy doing, but you do it, you know, it's good for you. And it's like meditation, it will kind of, you know, it's kind of, uh, I think it will be like that soon, you know, it's like you get up, you do your meditation, it's like brushing your teeth, like yeah. looking after your mind. It's, uh, well, I, I hope it's going to become like brushing your teeth because um, I'd like to share my own personal experience and struggles with meditation, actually. Yeah, um, yeah. Because I think that's, that's also really important to do um to you know share real life experiences and and my experience has been so i was um advised that a good way to start was um an app called waking up by sam harris which yeah. I, I downloaded on my phone and sam harris it's a it's a paid app but if you write to him and if people aren't in a financial position to be able to pay for that it's available he makes it available as a free download. Um, yeah. So if anyone out there would like to start, but perhaps financially restricted, um, that can remove that barrier. So I downloaded this app. And he's, an, and he's a neuroscientist, right? And, and he has an amazing podcast. And, you know, he really, he's a really amazing guy. He's a writer, uh, really, you know, he's really on the edge of... Um, you know, science and culture and, and yeah. you know, a lot of these crazy topics. And this is what I like. This is what I like about you and about Sam and about, you know, it's a, and I, 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 you know, maybe it sounded a bit strange at the start, but I do believe that a lot of people have this resistance to mindfulness because, um, you know, it can be sort of linked to an alternative lifestyle. Um, yeah. But, re but really it's, 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 rooted in in science and the and the humanities um so but my my challenge is that i downloaded this app and it has guided meditations for about 10 or 12 minutes per day yeah yet and i know we've spoken many times about the benefit yet i find myself not finding this 10 or 12 minutes per day or making excuses every day or delaying it by some minutes or some hours and then it's at the end of the day and I'm tired and I go to sleep and then I wake up the next day and I say, I need to do this every day. Um, yeah. And I guess, it, it, is this something that, that's common? Do you hear this from, from people? And, and what would you say to people that Absolutely. have- Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I hear it from, um, from you know, it, it's a very common thing. Um, 
you know, it, a lot of people find it really hard to actually commit to the practice, and it is a practice, right? So it's not like, you know, when we exercise, there's a, you know, an instant hit of endorphins and, you know, feel-good chemicals. Meditation's not like that. So I guess for a lot of people, they don't get an instant benefit from it, so they don't, it's hard for them to get uh, motivated to continue with the practice. Yeah. So, um, I mean, that's... Yeah, I... I, I that's my own experience. I, I have a personality that likes to see immediate results, as many of us do. Um, and this, yeah, I think we need to be realistic, realistic about it. It is work. And, you know, even though it's 10 or 12 minutes, it can sometimes um, be easy to, to, to not have as our, as our, as our priority. Um, but the many chats that, that I've had with you um, has been really... Um, it's motivated me and, you know, hopefully after this discussion as well, um, you know, this, this, daily, this daily practice. Um, so maybe if we can do a bit of a, a rewind, because you said you've been yeah. um, uh, practicing meditation for 28 years. Yeah. And I know you've had another experience or, you know, y your life was very different before, before that time. And now you are Ray Good, but there was a time when you were Sugar Ray. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell us a bit about, uh, about your, your time before meditation? And, and maybe that can be a, a good way to explain sort of, you know, why it became so important in your life as well. Yeah, well, I guess it, it explains why and how I got into meditation. So um, in the early 90s, I was uh, a DJ, a rave DJ. And I found myself on the list of the world's top 100 DJs. I had this crazy lifestyle. I was playing all over the world, Berlin, San Francisco, Tokyo, playing these amazing parties. Um, but at the same time, I was an entrepreneur and a promoter. I was putting on large events for thousands of people. I had a, you know, weekly club nights. I owned my own import record store and I had my own record label. So, uh, you know, I had this amazing life going on. Um, but I found that, um, um, you know, I was really unhappy in a lot of ways. And, um, and it's, not, it's not a life that was uh, a, a healthy lifestyle, being up late at night. Back then, people were smoking in clubs, um, you know, and, um, you know, my health suffered and I burnt out. And um, I was desperate for a way to, um, I was looking for help. I was desperate for a way to try and help back then um, and so a friend told me about meditation class and um, you know back then I was skeptical as well I thought it was all you know crystals candles and sandals hippie woo woo but I went along and um, you know that day changed my life forever and since then I've had a daily uh, meditation practice it's been you know it's it's the most important thing I do every single day hmm. um, as important as eating and drinking um, yeah and that's how I came to it um, so, uh, yeah, and, and that's it. So maybe we should spend a few minutes, uh, I, you went very quickly through your, I mean, you were noted as, you know, one of the world's top hundred DJs. Um, we just spent a few minutes on that. I mean, that must've been an, also an amazing time in your life. Yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was an amazing time in my life, but it was also, uh, a deeply, um, I was also really unhappy because, as I became more successful, I achieved all these things that um, 
society installs into us that we should achieve, like money and fame and you know, all that, the baggage and the trappings and all the stuff that came with that. And, and the more successful I became, the more um, isolated I felt and the more unhappy I felt. So I had everything materialistically that I thought would make me happy. I reached, I got there. And I'm not saying this in a way to be egotistical. I'm saying in a way that, you know, we all strive to, to you know, to make loads of money and to, you know, have a nice house and a car. And, you know, I achieved all that, you know. And, and when I got there, I was really unhappy and I was like, hang on a second, <laughs> I'm supposed to be happy, I've achieved all this stuff and, you know, that, um, you know, and I wasn't and, and so, um, you know, it led me on this path, this search to really try and find um, genuine contentment, happiness and some kind of inner peace. Mm. And so I turned my back on that stuff mm. in a sense, you know, I said, you know, for me, I really want... I'd achieved it, I got there, wasn't happy, and I'm like, you know, there's got to be more to life than this, and, and to really find that contentment and that happiness, and so that led me on that path. Um, I guess it was a spiritual path originally, to try and find that, I call it my good place. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's taken me a long time, you know, it's been 28 years, but I can tell you I've never been more happier in my life, more content, um, and I don't know if that's just you know, as we get older, maybe, I don't know, but I've, I've, I have a much better relationship with my, my mind. I feel happier. I feel more content. Um, I'm more compassionate to myself and to others. And, um, mm. yeah, I don't know. It, I feel like I got there. <laughs> Fantastic. And I guess the, the, the brilliant thing that I love now is that you're helping others to, to get there or, you know, along the journey as well. So it's not just um, you're doing it in your own life. You're also sharing. Yeah. Because I mean, you know, they, we've got these simple tools that we need now more than ever. Um, so I am on a mission to create a more mindful world um, and to uh, empower and educate others to look after their most precious and valuable resource, which is their mind. Mm. Right. And we and we need these tools because life's not going to slow down and and. You know, we sit here in the in you know in lockdown at the moment, and you know a lot of us are struggling with stress and anxiety and uncertainty. And so, um, yeah, you know, a lot of this um, right now, this is a really important tool. I think mindfulness offers hope in that it's cheap, it's um, science based, um, you know, and it's easy for people to use. So. You know, I think mindfulness really does offer hope, especially when it comes to, you know, the global, um, you know, mental health crisis that we're going through right now. Mm. You know, the World Health Organization says that one in four people will suffer from a mental or neurological disorder at some point in their life. Mm. One in four of us. I mean, think about your friends, your family. <laughs> You know, the people around you, one in four of us will suffer from a mental or neurological disorder. Well, I think my, fr my friends and family, if I'm brutally honest, the, 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 the percentages are far higher than that. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, and including myself. And, and what I'm hoping to do with this podcast is to open up a space to have these chats, but also to have these honest chats because, you know, I know what, 2020 and the internet has become it's become about yeah social media it's becoming about 
image. It's become, become about highly curated and manicured, you know, Instagram posts and, and how life great, uh, how great life is, or we frame it. Um, but the, the illusion, the illusion of how life is, you know, so through social media, it's like, you know, you see your friend that's traveling overseas, well, not traveling right now, or like living <laughs> in a nice house, they've got the car, you know, it's just this, yeah, yeah it's this, uh, this illusion that everyone's kind of sold through social media, right? And is this contributing in your, in your experience when you speak to people and the people that are, that you, that you teach, is this social media and is this uh, raising anxieties and levels of stresses? Absolutely. And, you know, there's so much science and research showing the effects of um, technology on our mental health, yeah. without a doubt. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're living in, in a world of information overload, constant distraction. And, you know, social media, we need to be careful of uh, how much time we spend on social media for sure. Yeah. Well, you've, you've given us lots of threads to lots of rabbit holes to go down. Um, so oh, there's lots of rabbit holes to go down. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I'd love to come back to this social media in a second. I just wanted to, um, well, I wanted to ask you and then to share a, 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 yeah. a story from my own life um, about a link between mental health and physical health. Is there the science that backs up that having better mental health also helps you physically and, and vice versa? Um, well, I think they're very much both interrelated. I mean, yeah. um, body and mind are connected. There's no separation. Yeah. We know that. Yeah. But, um, you know, there's so many um, ways that we can be looking after our, our health and our mental health. I mean, I guess coming back to what you said before as well, you talk about opening up a space. I think that's good because, you know, in the past, there used to be a stigma around mental health. It's something that people didn't talk about. It was something that was kind of kept behind closed doors and and my own experience my dad's an alcoholic his dad was an alcoholic um, my sister suffers um, she's got a mental health problem so I've seen it firsthand um, you know the effects um, and you know and me personally I'm someone that you know that struggled with stress and and that's what brought me to um, you know meditation and mindfulness you know and I am someone that still I still, stress is a big part of my life, but meditation helps me to manage it, mm. definitely. Meditation is my medicine, mm. in a sense. And when I've gone into the neuroscience and looked about what happens in the brain and the body when we get stressed, um, you know, just to give you a, a very quick lesson in it, um, you know, our brains naturally look for dangers, problems and threats. It's referred to as a negativity bias and it's our body survival mechanism. And we can thank our ancestors for that, right? which was useful back in the old caveman days when uh, our survival depended on anticipating potential, you know, predators or facing real physical dangers and threats, right? Uh, but it's not so useful today when our stresses are more likely to be, you know, missed deadlines, our email inbox, traffic jams, um, or a diff difficult client or boss, right? So um, we can easily trigger our uh, fight or flight, our stress response. And when we do this, um, you know, the body's pumped full of uh, adrenaline and the stress hormone cortisol, um, blood's diverted from, um, you know, the, the digest from the stomach to, to the larger muscles in the body. So um, 
you know, all that happens in one hundredth of a second and it prepares yeah. our bodies to react quickly without thinking, right? Readies us to either fight or bugger off and flight. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So, now, when we're in the grip of this stress response as well, we don't think clearly or rationally because the CEO part of our brain, our prefrontal cortex, is actually shut down. And it's also not good for, our, um, for, for sleep. And, um, you know, so these daily stressors can have a, take a huge toll on our brain and our body for the worse. And, um, you know, in our ultra busy, uh, always on um, information overload lives, our stress response is constantly being activated all the time. So, you know, when I started to learn about this stuff, it was like, okay, you know, we can, part of it's genetic, I think, a lot of it, if you look at it, it's genetics, you know, it's been passed on from our ancestors. You know, talking about caveman days, it was, you know, your ancestor that was in the cave worrying about what was going on and the other, the other, the other his friend was outside the front was the one that got eaten by a saber-toothed tiger, right? Yeah. The one that survived passed on his genes. So, you know, genetically, it, as I said to you before, you know, our brains are, um, they're not designed for happiness, they're designed for survival. So completely normal. Yeah. But of course, with, with modern life, with, you know, social media, information overload, technology, our, you know, we're being stressed out all the time, all day. Yeah. You know, these little micro stresses are just triggering us and we're so constantly... We're, we're stressed all the time. And so we need ways to, to, to manage and deal with that, that stress. Yeah. So, um, you know. And I imagine these stresses in these days, and I don't want, to, I don't want this podcast and I don't want this chat to, to, to focus on, on the COVID-19 situation, but yeah. we, we should spend time to it because um, it's heightened, or my understanding, well, not only my understanding, my own personal um, struggles in the last three months um, have shown me that there is a very direct link between stresses and mental health and physical health. And, <clears throat> excuse me, I, three months ago before COVID, I had a very, very um, stable blood pressure and I got it tested last week and in the space of three months, it's raised into dangerous levels. And I can, yeah. I can 100%, I don't need a doctor to tell me that this is a direct or there is a direct cor correlation between the stresses, the additional stresses um, that COVID-19 is playing on my mind. And yeah. it's manifesting in, a, in, a, in, 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 a in, in some different physical ways. So blood pressure is going up. I haven't slept as bad as I have in the last three months um, before. And yeah. actually, to be, to be brutally honest, um, one week ago, and I was engaging in social media a lot. I was reading from around the world and commenting yeah. and arguing. And it was a lot of negativity. I found, I found myself consumed with negativity. And so the, the reason to I wanted to start this podcast actually many months ago and then COVID happened and it wasn't the right time. Yeah. But it actually in the last week has pushed me to say for my own mental and physical health, I need to change things. And my response to that is actually setting up this, this podcast. And it's true that in the past week, I have a much clearer mind. I have a much clearer goal. I have a much clearer way where I can focus my attention and my time and my energy 
And I hope it's, you know, having yeah. discussions like this, which is more positivity. And, yeah. um, you know, we are experiencing at the moment things that humans have never, ever experienced. We are in locked, oh, well, depending on where we are in the, in the world, but, you know, being locked in your suburb, being locked in your house, having no contact yeah. with, with others, having no touch, all of these things. Um, I am very concerned that this is the hidden virus that is not being mm. spoken about enough. It's not at all mm. downplaying the dangers and the risks and the tragedies that's occurring with COVID, but I hope we also understand um, the, the, the other effects to, that, it's, that it's having on us. Um, so, um, yeah. And I think we need to be, um, you know, we need to be mindful of our exposure to, um, you know, to news and social media right now, because, um, you know, the news feeds are designed to, to draw us in, to get our attention and social media is filled with, you know, virus filled hysteria. And so uncertainty and fear creates anxiety. Yeah. So, you know, no wonder, you know, we're all feeling anxious, yeah. uncertainty and fear. It's our brain survival. You know, we're, our brains are designed for survival. And so it's completely normal for us to feel this way. But in the same way, we need to, we need to look after our um, mental health and well-being. Exercise, good diet. We know that, you know, a good diet can play a massive impact on our uh, health and well-being. Um, you know, sleep, so important. And, and taking breaks and, and being um, throughout the day, little mental breaks can have a, a massive impact. And you talked about stress. Well, you know, chronic stress is associated with poor immune function, increased risk of cardiovascular, heart disease, high blood pressure and stroke. We know it damages the brain, the memory and learning center, our hippocampus and our prefrontal cortex. Uh, it's linked to Alzheimer's, um, dementia. It accelerates the aging process right down to the DNA in our cells as well. So, you know, stress, we really need to manage our stress levels right now. Yeah. Incidentally, you know, when we get stressed, it's a physiological response in the body. Normally we feel it in the body. So, you know, earlier you said, you know, you could feel it in your body, you know, and that's one of the things that one of the practices of mindfulness, we start to recognize when we feel this stress in our body through certain meditation practices like the body scan and we start to notice it. So we can, ah, I can feel this in my body. And so we've got a choice. We can actually step back and and um, stop it before it's had a chance to take off. Yeah. But I think I, I should also, what, one of the things I really want to share that one of the most exciting um, uh, things I guess I've discovered, the neuroscience of mindfulness and meditation, how it helps stress, is that when we do sit down to meditate, um, you know, as I'm sure a lot of people watching this have probably tried and they're like, you know, how does this actually help me? So just to give you a very a, a quick uh, example, when we're sitting down and we're meditating and we're focusing on our breath and our mind wanders off and we get caught up in thought, um, that's not failure, that's success. That's actually a moment of awareness. We're developing awareness, mindfulness, and we bring our attention back. That's like a bicep curl for the brain. We're building our attention muscle. But what we're also doing is strengthening a part of our brain called the prefrontal cortex, which is right here, which is the CEO part of our brain. And what the science shows us is that, uh, and that part of our brain is actually connected to the amygdala, the fear center, the emotional part of our brain. So through practicing meditations, we strengthen that prefrontal cortex, which means that we can 
modulate the amygdala that means that when we get stressed it doesn't mean we're not going to get stressed we will but it means that we can recover a lot quicker um, and um, we're less reactive yeah and these are the attributes of what we call resilience so this is how meditation actually helps us to build resilience you're actually strengthening the part of your brain that rational part of your brain called the prefrontal cortex so um, just you know no that's it's so important to 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 understand that when you're sitting there actually focusing your attention your what you're actually doing, you're building focus, you're building concentration, but you're also strengthening that rational part of your brain, the prefrontal cortex, which is essential because, you know, when we get triggered, when we get stressed and our amygdala fires up, you know, we don't think clearly, we don't think rationally. So we can actually get back on track. And yeah. I think that's so important to understand. It, we're still gonna get stressed. These things are gonna happen. We're, we're designed, we're hardwired that way. But it's so important, especially when it comes to mental health, because if we're not aware of where our thinking, um, you know, and we're unmindful, we can easily allow our minds to wander down the path of worry and negative self-talk about the past and the future. And that can lead to, you know, anxiety, depression and mental health problems. There's a great quote by uh, Lao Tzu, the famous uh, Eastern philosopher. He said, if you're depressed, you're living in the past. If you're anxious, you're living in the future. And if you're at peace, you're living in the present moment. Mm. You know, we're caught up thinking about the past and the future all the time. And the present moment is perfect. It's the present moment, like the past is the past and the future's yet to be. So this moment really is the only moment that we have. Yeah. But it's so we don't take it for granted because we, we're constantly caught up in our minds, um, thinking about the future or thinking about the past. Can I ask you a question or, about that, about being in the present and not thinking of the future, how does that, how does that relate to, I mean, we still need to make plans for the future. We still need to have goals and aims that we're moving towards. So is there not yeah. a contradiction or some uh, difficulty here between how do we remain in the present yet still yeah. put our focus towards the future? Well, mindfulness isn't always about being in the present moment. As you just said, we still need to think about the past and plan for the future. But what it's about is about having a choice on where you allow your mind to wander to. That's what it's about. Because a lot of the time, something can happen to us and you know, someone might say something, we get upset. We end up ruminating, we end up catastrophizing and going over the same thing again and again. And that causes us you know, suffering, it causes, leads to anxiety, depression, you know, and so that's what mindfulness is about, catching yourself. Mm. It's not about, um, you know, stopping thoughts, it's not about, it's about stepping back and seeing and catching yourself before you keep going on and on and on and on and keep ruminating and going over the same thing, mm. you know, because a, a lot of the time something happens and, you know, someone could say something and, um, you know, instead of shrugging it off, it can set off a, uh, an internal monologue of self-doubt and criticism that can last all day, right? Yeah. And that's what meditation is about, learning to step back and see your thoughts with a little bit of distance, giving you a choice on how to respond, whether you want to go down that path or, no, I'm not going to choose to go down that path. And I guess that's real freedom because otherwise we, we live in a way where our thoughts determine our happiness and can ultimately lead us to suffering and all, all this other stuff. So it's about stepping back and seeing our thoughts with a little bit of distance yeah. and making a choice. It's about having a choice. That's what it's about. It's about having a choice. 
But mindfulness is also about developing, um, you know, kindness, compassion, um, gratitude and friendliness. These are really important qualities that we need to cultivate in our life. It's, these are often, I think, these kind of get swept aside a little bit, but these are really important um, qualities that we need to cultivate in our practice as well. We need to be friendly to ourselves and to others, um, you know, yeah. really, really important qualities to cultivate. Well, two things on, on that. The first is, um, I've thought about this in, in my own life, my own practice, and you've just confirmed it with what you said. I get the feeling that these sorts of practices help me. It, I, I always like using analogies, and this analogy is, I, I have is like a boat. And a boat, if you're not practicing these um, practices, can, can basically just be on autopilot and, and, and you know, without a, without a direction. And perhaps from hearing your words, it just gave me the, 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 the visual image of that I can now become the captain of that boat. I can become the captain of that ship. I can actually decide which direction to point my ship and my life. And it may not be that I know exactly the end target or, you know, I don't know where I'm going to be in 10 years of my life, but I can, using decisions rooted in the present, I can, I can sort of move my ship towards a, towards a direction. Um, and, and I guess that's the, that's the difficulty for me at least, who likes to, who likes to see concrete and tangible results immediately. Um, yeah. I need to have faith and I do have faith because there are enough people in the world who I respect greatly, yourself included, that tell me that if I keep at it, that this is going to be beneficial for my life. And, you know, sometimes um, things creep up on you. you. You look back and you say, whoa, I didn't know that, I didn't know that minuscule changes day by day actually added up to to something and then I, I you know these days I'm finding myself actually reacting to things in a far different way than I did previously and without that yeah. instinctive uh, sorry without that just impulse whether that be anger or I, I'm able to sort of be in control of my ship and just settle myself down but I'm at the very lowest rung of the ladder of this journey and it's through these discussions with with people like yourself that that push me that push me towards it. Well, these, yeah, and it's about, you know, I think these practices, it's about, it wakes us up. And that's, we all need to wake up yeah. right now. You know, the world is, you know, the world, look at the world, the environment, what's going through. We need to wake up. There needs to be a shift in consciousness. And um, we need to come off of autopilot. Yeah. Um, you know, the, but the world needs it. And the world needs it, but I think individually we need it as well. Um, and, one of the maybe others share the same struggles that I do. I have also issues with with myself, with my self-esteem, with with you know, with loving myself. And I guess to to want to be able to improve yourself, you need to first mm. have a respect and a love for yourself. Um, yeah. And and a desire to want to improve yourself. Um, yeah. What about in your own life? Um, how have you been able to, or have you been able to negotiate this challenge of you're running a business, you're living in 2020 when social media is so 
important, we're, we're told, to, to sharing yeah. your practice and so forth. Um, but you're also wanting to disengage on a personal level as much as possible. So what advice can you give people that are in this space that would love to get off social media and love to disconnect, but rely on it mm. for, for work, for example, or for, for their passion or what they're doing in their life? I mean, social media is amazing, right? It's not about, um, you know, but it's about um, managing it, managing technology so that it works for us rather than against us. Um, And I think one of the big problems that we face is that we, you know, we don't like being alone with our thoughts. You know, I think there was a a great study that showed we'd rather be electrocuted than left alone with our thoughts. (laughs) And... uh, I think I wrote that study, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was really, it was great. But... Throughout our day, we constantly feel every single second of our day. And, um, you know, we just can't be, we can't be with our thoughts. We don't want to feel bored. We're constantly looking for stimulation all the time. And so I think with social media, it's just setting boundaries around it. You know, I teach people to try and, um, you know, limit the amount of time that they're on social media. Be aware of it. Be be aware of the amount of time that you're on social media. Um, so try and limit the amount of time um, and, you know, create space in your life to be bored. Boredom is good. You know, it, it actually gives your brain the chance, your subconscious, subconscious mind, a chance to actually process what's going on. And I think that's one of the big problems today is that we're, you know, we try to feel every single second of our day. The only time that it's normally when we go to bed and we put our heads hit the pillow. That's the first time that we've actually given our brains a break throughout the day. No wonder we can't sleep. We're trying to process everything that's going on yeah. or we wake up at three o'clock in the morning. So we just need to create more, you know, and this is a show about space. It's called Space. It's about creating, you know, more space in our life to, and, and I think, you know, that's one of, one of the important things about taking breaks, mental breaks throughout our day and, um, and, and just being conscious of our social media usage. I mean, you know, I teach people don't check email first thing in the morning, as an example. You know, as soon as you wake up in the morning, you know, most people check email and straight away they start their day with other people's agendas becoming their today list or they're on the news and they're taking in all this information that's designed to, you know, grab your attention and mainline stress straight to your prefrontal cortex. So, you know, be mindful of the, the news that you're consuming and the news that you're consuming on social media because it's going to affect your stress. It's going to affect your anxiety levels. Um, and um, it's contagious as well, you know, this, you know that other people's um, worries and, and stress is, can, can, you know, they're contagious yeah. and, and you can end up feeling that way too. So you need to be just be mindful of what you're consuming with social media and just manage it. Um, easier said than done, though. Yeah. Um, you know, technology is designed for us. It's designed to, to, to lure us in and to be addictive. So um, we know that, um, you know, it's very addictive. Um, it's designed to, to be that way. So, you know, we need to be mindful of it. Yeah, I've read many reports about the people, many people that are involved in the, uh, in the thinking behind some of these social media apps and none of them allow their own children access to these apps because they understand the addictive. It's not even that they can become addictive. They are designed 
with the end goal of, a, of making us addicted. Um, and yeah. what I think in my own life, and I'm sure this is felt by everybody, if you know, this idea of habit forming, both good and bad habits um, can be, I think there's some statistic, uh, something like 28 days it takes to, to both create and to break a habit. Um, so right. simple things like my habit, uh, well, I guess a daily meditation practice, as you say, like just to wake up and have a routine in place um, is probably a, a really positive thing to, to move towards that, to create our own, our own habits and um, routines. Yeah, and that's the thing with, med- with meditation. It is about creating the habit of it. Yeah. So, you know, try and, you know, attach it to an existing habit that you already have can definitely help. Yeah. Um, but going back to that question about social media, here's the thing, right? Why is it that you constantly check your social media feed? Think about that for a second, because we are uncomfortable with feeling discomfort. So we often avoid that discomfort and those feelings by going to social media, checking our news feeds as a way of distracting ourselves from our own feelings of discomfort. Yeah. All right. I think that's something that, so if you're someone that constantly looking at social media, that's a good question to ask yourself. What's, why? Why am I constantly looking? What's driving me? I think from my own, um, from my own situation, I'm, it's also because we're, we're being drip fed tiny amounts of mini successes. Um, you know, it's like, let's use Facebook, for example, which is something that I spend far too much time on. It's no, yeah. I, I imagine it's no fluke that the notifications are colored red. So you get this bright red sign that someone has commented or posted or shared or liked. Um, and that can be addictive. It's crazy to think that that's the case, but that little, that little rush that we, that we get, we want more. And just on, on that little, a tiny um, bit of information that I, that I heard, which kind of expresses that as best as, as I could, is that as soon as you log on to Facebook, apparently they've programmed it so that it's like a millisecond wait before you get that red notification. So you've, you, you, you enter it, you, your anxiety, you're just waiting to see if there's a notification and then it comes yeah. and then it comes or it doesn't come. And sometimes when it doesn't come, it makes you more addicted and hooked to that, you know, that, those, yeah. those mini. So I've, there's also, um, I know of, there are many apps as well, which, can, which I use one called self-control, believe it or not. Yeah. I use an app called self-control because I have no self-control. And that limits, I can put numbers of, um, of websites, for example, that I don't want to access for a number of minutes or hours. And then you can't do anything to, to override that. Um, yeah. So there are other things. And I think the thing, you know, there's, there was an interesting study that showed that we actually, um, we actually unlock our phones. Apple said we unlock our phones 80 times a day, but um, 80 times. So, but research... A, a company called um, D-Scout, I think it was, they found that we actually type, tap and swipe our phones on average 2,600 times a day. On average, 2,600. That was average for high users. It was 5,470. Now, we're doing that in front of our kids during meetings while we're eating 
and while we're sleeping, right? And it is an addiction and we don't really want to talk about it because we're almost all universally addicted. Yeah. And part of the problem is that we're addicted to a reward called dopamine. Yeah. Now, dop- have you heard of dopamine? Dopamine's a neurotransmitter yeah. I mean, absolutely. produced in the brain. What I'm, what I'm referring to, this red notification, I know that this, yeah. this, is, this is a dopamine hit. This is exactly what this is. Exactly. Yeah. So that's, it's the brain's pleasure chemical. It, seeks us, it motivates us to seek and then we find we get a hit of dopamine. We look for something else and then we get another dopamine uh, hit. So this is called a dopamine loop. It might be, you know, when you get home from work and you've got, you know, 20 minutes to get dinner on the table and an hour and a half later, you're looking at designer dog breeds in Russia, right? <laughs> so <laughs> we all go down that rabbit hole. But it's, you know, that constant um, uh, switching of attention uh, and, and the constant stimulation of dopamine is exhausting. Yeah. So we do need to... Um, to be mindful of uh, how we, um, you know, manage technology. So I teach people, uh, you know, some of the things that I teach people just brief, just quickly that really help them. I tell them, turn off all the notifications on your devices. You know, most of us agree that most of the time when we go and check those notifications, email notifications, they're completely unnecessary. So turn off your notifications, try it for a week. Here's a challenge to anyone that's listening. Turn off all your notifications for a week, see how you go. When you're trying to do work where you need to focus and concentrate, um, put your phone onto flight mode so you won't, won't be disturbed. You know, as we mentioned, check your email. Don't check your email first thing in the morning. Don't have your phone next to your bed. Spend $10, get yourself an old school and alarm clock and wake up. I do that, yeah. You know, check, <laughs> yeah, you know, and um, you know, only check emails at set times. You know, say twice a day or three, three times a day, but don't compulsively check your emails as they roll into your inbox because you won't get anything done. Hmm. So, um, you know, and, and another thing to consider with technology is proximity. Instead of having your phone in your pocket or in your, you know, in your bag, put it in your purse or your backpack or on the other side of the room. It'll, uh, you know, if, if, you know, if it actually takes effort to get to your device, you're less likely to check it. And, you know, check your social media two or three times a day and try and limit it to an hour a day. So they're my tips. For, for managing technology. So technology isn't good or bad, right? It's all about how we manage it. So, you know, mind, again, mindfulness allows us to, um, allows us a choice on how we can deal with that. It helps us to take back control and have a little bit more of a choice on how we deal with that. There are so many amazing bits of advice in that, um, in that speech. So <laughs> it was like, it, it, it was like, the, it was like, I just tried to pile it all in at the no, end. No, but it's, to, it's perfect. To... And, and I think maybe we should, um, we should head towards, uh, closing up the chat. Um, yep. and you mentioned to me a couple so, you know, just ex- w- w- let's finish by, by pushing it forward. So you've given us ideas about, um, and I do some of those things, by the way, I do have an old school alarm clock and I did need to put my telephone outside of my room and, um, yeah, I can still work much more on the no checking emails in the mornings and so forth. Um, so you're going to run us through a small meditation, which would be amazing. Um, and also we chatted a couple of days ago when you spoke about a five senses meditation. So I thought you could, we could close with you sort of having a chat about that. And then if you could lead me through a, a small meditation, that would be amazing. Yeah. So there's a number of, um, so obviously I really try to encourage people to start a daily meditation practice. Start off five minutes in the morning, adding a minute a week and trying to build up to 10, 20 minutes. You know, 20 minutes of meditation 
that's really is the sweet spot I find. But 10 minutes is good too. So if you try and build up to that. And then throughout your day, if you can do little um, short uh, micro meditations, which are great to do if you're feeling, you know, stressed or overwhelmed, you know, before a meeting, a presentation, but more importantly, to have a little mental break throughout the day, just to help your mind, you know, reset, reboot and recharge. So there's a number of little micro meditations. Um, a couple of good ones. Um, so um, the five senses. So perhaps, you know, right now we need to not be sitting in front of a computer screen all day. We know how bad it is for our health. So, um, you know, get up, get outside, go for a walk. And this is a really simple meditation that you can use when you're out walking. So it's called five senses. So um, look for five things that you can see and sort of silently name them to yourself. And then four things that you can hear, three things that you can feel, two things that you can smell, one thing that you can taste. So we engage all our senses, because that's the thing about mindfulness, we engage our senses to bring us into the present moment, mm. all right? So we engage our senses, you can't, we use our senses to help us in the present moment, you know? So as an example, if you look at your hand right now, you can't look at your hand in the past and the future. You're looking at it right here in the present moment. Mm. So we engage our senses. So that's one little practice. That's one little mindfulness practice that you can use called five senses. And then the, the, the practice, another little practice I teach people is called um, uh, the three minute breathing space. So maybe we could do that right now. Just three minutes Fantastic. practice. Yeah. All right. Okay, cool. Let's just give it a go. Eyes open or eyes closed? Well, it's up to you. So just make sure that if we, you know, for those that are sitting down, um, just make sure that your back's nice and straight if you can. Okay. Hands just resting in, in your lap or just palms down on your legs. And then just closing the eyes, if that feels comfortable for you, or just lowering your gaze in front of you in a really loose and unfocused way. And so to start, we're just gonna take a couple of nice deep breaths, just breathing in through the nose, Filling the belly and the lungs and then slowly breathing out through the mouth. So breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. That's great. One more time. Breathe in. And breathe out. And then just allowing the breath just to return to its natural rhythm. And then just bringing your attention into the body. Just being aware of where your body makes contact with the chair or the floor. And the feeling of your hands resting in your lap or on your legs. And then just being aware of your feet touching the floor. And just taking a couple of moments just to be aware of the whole body sitting here in this moment, the present moment. And then I want you just to bring your awareness to the, just to the belly and just rest your attention 
on the movement of the breath down in the belly. Just feeling the rising and falling of the breath as it comes in and out. No need to control the breath in any way. Just feeling the physical sensation of the breath as it comes in and goes out. Just focus on the rising and falling of the breath down in the belly. The mind wanders off many times. We bring it back just as many. And here we are just giving ourselves the gift of some space. So much of our day is spent having to do something, change something, achieve something. Right now, there's nothing to do, there's nothing to change, there's nothing to achieve. And as our practice comes to an end, just bringing your awareness back into the body and just being aware of where your body makes contact with a chair, the space around you. And then whenever you're ready, you can slowly open your eyes and come back into your day. Ray Good, you've made me cry. <laughs> I thought you was going to say you made me fall asleep. <laughs> there you go, three minutes. You've given your prefrontal cortex a good workout. You've developed your, you know, you've strengthened your brain a little bit there. You've rewired it. So uh, do you feel a little bit calmer, a little bit more present, a little bit more focused? Not a little bit. I feel a lot calmer. I needed that. Thank you. Yeah, just it's so simple. Just three minutes can, you know, especially... I like to tell people, you know, throughout your day, you know, three o'clock in the afternoon when you're absolutely just, your mind is absolutely exhausted and you just feel like you can't think anymore, just stop and do a three minute meditation. But notice how you feel before and after. And, uh, you know, like with, any of, like with any of these practices, you know, notice the, the benefits and it'll inspire you to continue. So hopefully I can inspire uh, others to uh, live more mindfully and start, start a daily meditation practice. That's amazing. Um, Thank you so much for that. Thanks for the chat. That was uh, phenomenal. I'd love to, to, to get you back at another time and we can go deeper into your, uh, your crazy <laughs> DJ days as well because that's, you know, they're really interesting stories. Um, but I think, you know, all things considering the, 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 the state of the world at the moment, uh, that discussion right now, I, I'm sure is going to be, <clears throat> excuse me, very valuable, valuable for anyone that's uh, that's watching this. So, thank you. Um, I hope so. Any before we end, um, how can people find out more about your work and uh, find out more about the good place? <laughs> I hate to say it, but through social media, of course. <laughs> uh, 
you know, I'm on, you know, I'm, you know, I have a presence on Facebook, Instagram and, and LinkedIn. And of course, through my website, The Good Place. In fact, if uh, there's, if you go and check it out, there's a lot of the science is on there. And also um, in my blog section, there's some guided meditations. If you want to uh, jump in and give them a go, there's a, there's a practice called a kindfulness practice. There's a 10 minute breathing practice, a body scan. So there's some free meditations if you if you're keen to give it a go so through my website's probably the best place to kind of and what's your web what's the website address the good the good place dot com dot au the good place yeah ray good it was amazing having you in the liminal space and uh i thank you very much thanks for having me dave okay. let's uh, let's get out there and make the world a more mindful place huh? let's do it thanks brother <laughs> see you mate okay bye-bye